welcome to season two of Bring Out Your Undead. I know it's been a, we took a bit of a short break, but we needed a month to recover from all the horrors from season one. Obviously, we just, yeah, we needed a bit of a breather. In fact, we covered 77 undead creatures and four famous undead villains. And in our first 15 episodes, that's quite a bit. And you know what? We're back now for even more. So very exciting. Season two is going to dig up the dirt on more famous undead NPCs and different kinds of ghosts and ghoulies and even tragic elven maidens, resurrected giants, and illithids that just won't stay dead. For now, I, Megan, have raised Casey and Pepperina so we can haunt your speakers with our ghostly voices in this episode called Positively Negative About the Undead. The three creatures in today's episode are all fairly infamous among D&D players, And you have to be careful because it wouldn't take much to end up with a full TPK. Also, be prepared for spoilers about the adventure Tomb of Annihilation. So you have been warned now. Were you about to say Tome? (laughs) 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 I just had had enough (laughs) enough (laughs) anger towards me. You know, they're interchangeable words, right? Yeah. (laughs) Tomb, same tomb. thing. Skeletal, <laughs> skeletal. We we don't care. No, okay. <laughs> it's part of our charm. We just say nothing right. Yeah, we're we're just here to piss people off. That's all. Yeah, we do. that's yeah. just expected now. Um, but before we get any further, let's talk about the negative energy plane. So this plane is mentioned in 5e, but we don't get any real info on it. So this lore has been pieced together from past editions. The negative energy plane is an inner plane on the Great Wheel cosmology and the World Tree cosmology. I always want to say cosmetology, and that is not correct. Or it was an inner plane. Um, When the spell plague happened, the negative energy plane collapsed into the elemental chaos. The lore mentions the death energy of this plane quite a few times. Uh, While this plane was collapsing and mixing with the other inner planes, the goddess Shar took the opportunity to harness this death energy and mix it with the plane of shadows, creating the Shadowfell. Okay, so that's a bit of its history, and I can go into the whole thing about the two different cosmologies um, and its place there, but that kind of hurts my brain. Um, So let's get into what it would be like to be in the negative energy plane, and we'll leave the explanation of the planes and cosmologies up to Adam for a different episode, because I feel like he'd be great at that. (laughs) Uh, This plane is described as an airless, featureless void of darkness with gravity being an individual choice, which I find super interesting and something a DM could definitely play around with. The environment itself is incredibly hostile towards any life or energy, but one kind of creature can thrive there, the undead. Some of the most powerful undead can even use the death energy there to gain more power over their enemies. Some important things to note in this plane, there are structures of sorts that are either physical, made of solid darkness, or elemental earth. The atmosphere is not a vacuum, but winged creatures can't use it to fly. Um, But they can choose to not have gravity, which is kind of like flying, but they can't use it as like a propulsion. So that that can get really interesting to play with as well. Um, It does not sustain life. However, torches can be lit for a short time. 
It is therefore believed it is the energy-sucking nature of this plane that makes it so deadly to any living creature. So its inhabitants are a variety of undead creatures and necromancers. So it's just like dark and void and nothingness. Sucks the life out of everything, you know? Everything, yeah. I love that. (laughs) I mean, it's very, it's very, but it's very simple, right? It's very simple. It's nothing. (laughs) Like, it's just a, it's just a dark void with undead. (laughs) Yeah. We need an explanation of where, like, everything goes to be sad and sappy. And this is the explanation for that. (laughs) This is it. This is it. Yeah. I love it. That's it. That's, that's That's, all. That's what I got. Um, Yeah. There's, I mean. (laughs) again it's a simple it's a simple space it's the it's a simple space it's the void inside your brain you know where all your negative thoughts come from and then all your good thoughts go to die you know like that's (laughs) yeah that's how i imagine it as a personal negative hell space Uh (laughs) yeah all that positive one co-worker that comes in and just sucks the fun out of the whole room oh man yeah (laughs) humans like humans in my mind in real life could be like walking talking negative planes of space yeah <laughs> this and is I, where good vibes go to die 100 i will bet i am that person every once in a blue moon and that's when you know <laughs> to get out of my face and out of my space so. so now we can be like megan get out of the fucking negative plane negative energy plane <laughs> yeah megan you're, you're you're giving negative plane energy and we need you uh-huh. to <laughs> all right so we're all each of us have a monster to cover today as much as we do so we're gonna raise some dice and roll to see who goes first 14 3 13 amazing i will go first today okay so this is a reminder we are talking about the negative plane today so obviously we're gonna talk about some sad grotesque things today so please know that we're gonna do with as much grace as possible this is just you know from our thoughts our feelings our emotions on the written fifth edition DD nonsense but we're going to get a little dark today. In fact, I'm going to start talking about the Nightwalker. So Casey and I have come across a Nightwalker in our campaign once in our lives. Uh, I, we never actually had to face him, did we? Or it, really. We just knew it existed and was walking around somewhere. I don't remember. I think it was just a horrific thing we ran away from Yeah. whenever it, whenever we knew it got close. Yeah, because we, so we knew yeah. it existed. We knew it was walking around, but we'd like, don't go in this area of the map. Because that's mm-hmm. where it's going to be floating around kind of thing. Yeah, now that we know a little bit more about the negative plane, uh, it'll be a little bit easier to jump into how these evening stalkers are kind of created and how they come to be. So basically, a Nightwalker is left behind when a person is too tempted and enters the negative plane. It's basically like a shadowy shell of negative energy that replaces the person who stepped through into the other realm. And then they are basically just super negative life devourers that walk the earth, basically, like walk the living plane. In replacement for the poor soul who entered the negative plane it is not easy to survive or escape uh so yeah because as we mentioned basically this plane just sucks the life out of all living things there's no air to breathe xyz so pretty much you would have to become undead or you know lichdom or be a necromancer or what have you to kind of like even survive uh the person that is stranded in that realm if they do happen to survive they are stuck there and cannot leave Unless the Nightwalker is lured back into the negative plane and they switch back in places. So the Nightwalkers themselves are attracted to things on the material plane that represent the person who was replaced. So let's say that they're like an archaeologist or something. You may find them roaming around wastelands or mountains in search of random artifacts. But this doesn't mean that they actually have an interest in it because they are just a a giant walking creature. And if you look at the art for it, it's like a really tall, lanky, ghost-like creature. You know, sharp nails, whole nine yards. 
uh, (laughs) like tall and wispy. um, And it just kind of like walks around like a super, I'm trying to think of what movie, I think it was Princess Mononoke when it turns into like the forest spirit when it becomes super angry or was killed, it turns into like this really tall, lanky, like like over top of the trees you can see it kind of thing that's what i imagine in my head is that like tall weird goopy looking black void of nonsense mm-hmm. anyways so as i mentioned yes they're going to take interest in the things that the person they replaced have but like not in the sense where it's like oh i'm going to hyper fixate on this thing and it's going to be my thing it's just naturally drawn to those things so those would be the areas that you would find it in and this can be a way that a dm can kind of play on trying to figure out what person or what human or whatever was replaced so like, again, let's, let's say it was a very famous archaeologist and all of a sudden a Nightwalker pops up, but that person is missing. So maybe they did enter the negative plane and this is what replaced them, right? So then that might give like a good hook or a plot line to figure out a way to lure this thing back to the negative plane to get their person back, right? Stats wise, these are huge undead creatures that are typically chaotic evil. Remember, all they want to do is wander around the material plane and leave it void of all life. So their goal is just to suck the life out of anything that it comes in contact with. This is the walking, talking negative plane. And by talking, I mean, it doesn't talk. It doesn't know any languages. It just... just talk. It's just, <laughs> just walking, not talking negative plane. Yeah. Walk, walking, not talking negative plane. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, I will start off by saying that they are a frightening CR of 20. This shows not only it's an AC of 14, but in their larger than average health pool of over 300 and a few uh, of its abilities that are kind of neat, but very scary. But here are just a couple of the simple highlights. As they walk around, they emit an annihilating aura, which means anyone within 30 feet that starts their turn need to make a DC 21 con save or take 66 necrotic damage. So yeah, they also have what's called life eater, which means if you are killed by a Nightwalker, you die outright. Only a wish can bring you back. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When it attacks, it has a multi-attack with what is called the enervating focus, which is a 15 foot reach. So remember how I said he's tall and lanky? Like it is tall and lanky. I can imagine that like its arms are like 15 feet long. It's a 15 foot long melee attack that not only deals detro- necrotic damage, but also makes another DC 21 con save or they, they're instead of just taking regular damage, it actually takes damage off their max hit points. So their hit points are reduced by that damage. So if your barbarian goes and like gets hit by one of these and they have 78 hit, like max hit points and they get hit for 66 necrotic damage, which on average is 28, like that's 33% yeah. of its life in one go. It's life, not not just its health, it's life. So yeah. this is why it's TPK territory today. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We are we are in TPK territory. Don't yeah, fuck. You, yeah, like you can't you can't sustain more than one of those like moments and it's and it's a multi-attack it can hit you twice with it so it hits you once for 28 hits you a second time for 28 that's 50 percent of your damage like of your life pool and they Mm -hmm. can't heal you because it's your max hit points so too bad so sad right however this does only what makes it okay i guess is that it only lasts (laughs) it only lasts until they get a long rest so if you get hit with one and you run away as long as you get a good night's sleep your hit points will come back okay okay but i don't think you're gonna get away from it <laughs> yeah <laughs> like no offense but i don't think you're gonna get away from it if yeah. you piss it off enough that it's gonna hit you it, it's gonna mm-hmm. kill you like <laughs> so as i mentioned they do this twice per round or they can replace one of these hits with what's called the finger of doom <laughs> like a pause for laughter <laughs> 
which means basically what it does, it just points at you. And as long as you're within 300 um, feet, it is an auto. You have to con save for 21 again or take 6d12 in necrotic damage. So this one does have a recharge on six. So it doesn't necessarily, you can't pop it off every time. But so you're going to be doing your two attacks, but one of them can be replaced with this finger of doom if someone tries to run away. 300. Yeah, you are not running away. It's like, oh, I can like do a couple rounds of combat with whoever is like within melee and then still have time to pick off the guy that's running away. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right. So let's raise some dice. Let's talk about the Nightwalker. Four. I'm not rolling great today. 11. Six. Oh, I love that for you guys. <laughs> All right. So as always, we'll start talking about the role-playing pillar and how would you utilize these in your campaigns as a DM, as a player, what have you. I like the idea of using them as a quest or plot hook, whether it is something that is wandering around, kind of like how Adam used it in his campaign. It was kind of, in my mind, his way of moving in the right direction on the map. So we were staying away from certain areas on the map because we knew this thing was wandering around. So it kind of moved us in the right direction that he wanted us to go. Because it was such an open world, we could do whatever we wanted in it. And then at one point, Adam was kind of like, no, no, as a DM, I, I need you to go in this direction. So let me put this evil thing here and it will move you where you need to go. Because these are things that you don't want to fight. Even if you are, again, if you want to use the quest plot hook of the fact that like, let's say your one of your player's parents was a famous, I don't know, wizard or something like that. I'm throwing Charlie's character on the bus here gets plays a little too close gets close to a thin void and ends up in the negative plane but because of their magic and their wizardry they survived somehow and are replaced with this night walker and your now goal as this player is to try and lure find and lure this night walker back into the negative plane so you can get your family member back um then it's going to be trying to figure out like how do you lure a night walker obviously it's going to be with life right so it's trying to figure out that weird space between like sacrificing life more life to save one life is going to be like the conquest that your group is going to have to deal with and like what that's going to look like right so i think that could be really fun to play with but it would be a very dark campaign right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so uh who is next though i think casey yeah i got casey. well i got six slightly yeah. edged out pets there yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, how would you deal with the role-playing aspect of these? Well, it's interesting that you said like, like they don't speak. Yep. And so like you, if you're going to play true to that and they don't have telepathy abilities, so like you're going to have to be very animated and very descriptive of their movement, their motions, like emphasize the the long lanky hands and maybe they make gestures to hint at what they might be doing or who they're engaging in. So it's a whole different way of role-playing a giant monster um, that the party's going to have to try, like, if they're in combat or if they're trying to lure it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, how do you keep, like, how do you keep the engagement if they're trying to lure it and get it to follow you, but it can't make any, you know, like, like, what do you want with me? Or like, I'm just going to kill you. Or like, (laughs) you know, there's no negotiation or taunting in like a language or anything. So that presents kind of an interesting role-playing opportunity for a DM, I would say. Yeah. Cause you would, you would rely on the actual, like what it feels like to be around one. And like, you would innately know I'm not going to fight this thing and it's going to fight me back just by like, again, it's aura. It automatically attacks you once you, once you enter its space. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but, um, 
But yeah, it's so weird like, though, because like if you just speaking of the language part, so like in the actual Mordenkainen's like stat breakdown, it is like there's a line. There are no languages. But if you look up older builds or people that make builds, they will give it like abyssal or like other like okay. like other languages like that. But then if you think about it, for me, this thing is being manifested, like it, it's being manifested. It's not like it lived a life where it's gonna know languages, right? So mm-hmm. it makes sense to me that it wouldn't really have a, a communicative relationship with language. Because it, yeah. it doesn't need it. it. It knows what it wants. It knows what it wants to do. It, it doesn't need to communicate with you, right? But I mean, there are builds that you can find online where it does have languages that you can utilize as a DM if you want. That kind of makes sense thematically. But I, I would I like say that. maybe just giving it the understanding of whatever languages the person who it represents had. Not yeah. speaking them, but like if it has enough of the memories of that person to know to go towards things that remind them of their life, mm-hmm. then it could potentially at least have the understanding of the languages that that person knew. Yeah. no. So not necessarily that. speaking them, but hearing them. Um, yeah. I would maybe homebrew in as a DM. And then you could get all emotional about it. And if it's your mom and you have to like talk to it. <laughs> yeah. Did either of you guys play the... Um... The Legend of Zelda, The Ocarina of Time? No. No. Okay. So. so this is for the internet then. Uh I imagine in like the like the um the giants that hold everything up at the end, basically that hold the moon up when it's, it's spoilers for Legend of Zelda, but the moon's crashing into the earth. <laughs> the creatures, like these large creatures, come out and like hold the moon in place. Once you gather them all, that's the whole point of the game. And then they hold the moon into place before it hits the earth. But these things are giant walking creatures that don't talk. They just like make moaning noises. Mm-hmm. And like womp womp noises, kind of like Charlie Brown teachers, you know, like the womp 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 sounds. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. now, now I'm thinking that like they would make weird moaning, groaning, like womp 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 noises, like <laughs> maybe a little more scary than womp womp womp. But oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I will find you guys the audio for it and play it for you afterwards because it, it is uh-huh. kind of haunting. But I just yeah. I'm just not giving it justice. But the people, <laughs> on the inter- people on the internet know what I'm talking about. I hope, but. <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, any other role-playing thoughts from you, Peps? I get the, like, vibe of a, um, like you were sort of saying in the one campaign that you encountered it in. There's, I know, like, in Resident Evil and, like, video games like that, there's always, like, that big creature that, like, follows you around and you know at the beginning, like... I am going to die. Like, I cannot fuck with this creature. Um, So I could definitely see that being the vibe for it through the whole campaign until you are, like, it's just this leering thing that will catch up to you. And you know it will catch up to you. And you know you're going to have to deal with it at some point. But today is not that day. Yeah. It's like your <laughs> it's like your Silent Hill uh pyramid mm-hmm. head or like your yeah, your Resident Evil like mutant yeah. that you know is gonna be your your final boss battle, but today's yeah. not the day. Right. Today's not that day. <laughs> well, it crashes through the wall, you're like, I'm going down this hallway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do but. like it though, as the the DM fucked up and gave you an open world and now I have to rein you in. Oh one hundred percent. So DMs out there, if you fucked up and gave your players an open world, this is your guy. Start dropping Nightwalkers, yeah. Thin, thin the veil between the worlds and the, uh-huh. the regular plane and the negative plane and go on yeah. for it, right? It would um, even be interesting if one of your players, like, left for a while. Like, if somebody had to go on a hiatus and became one. Yeah. And then, like, your players had to then find a way to get it back in there to get that 
character back like in the in the real world time frame of like this player had a baby and is going on like maternity leave because <laughs> i've had that happen in games <laughs> yeah like i need a few months break i just had a baby um but then like come back into it and just trying trying to line that up would be interesting of like luring it in and then pulling your character back out it'd be a fun way to explain that break yeah, gonna... yeah, and you could add in like a little bit of what like what Adam calls midweek content for that player. Like, mm-hmm. what could you create in the negative energy plane that they mm-hmm. might discover? Like, just to piece in a little bit of insight in what that plane actually is like. Yeah, yeah. And then if you're successful in bringing them back, they can tell you. But yeah. if you're not, <laughs> yeah. then they roll a new character. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that brings us to our next pillar. Of course, we talk about the exploration side of things when it comes to these folks. Um, I just feel like when we're talking about, because they have that aura that follows them around, right? So I feel like there's always going to be like a path of death behind them. So they're going to be really easy to track and know where they are because they're literally leaving a path of undead in their wake, right? So if they're traversing through a forest, those trees are going to fall. Like, I feel like all the animals that are in that space are going to, like, go down. Or you're going to see birds scatter because they they know that it's coming. Like, you know, it's that whole concept where animals know before you do. So you're going to get stampedes of animals coming out of forests with this thing walking Mm -hmm. through. Right. Um, And then just, like, like just the weird, creepy body horror of it is, in my mind, it's just a big black void. Right. And, like, another thing to, like, mention when it comes to its stats, too, is its passive perception is nine. It doesn't care that there is anything around it like it, yeah. it there is like it's like so if i look at it exactly i think it's um yeah it's wisdom is nine so a negative and its intelligence is six so bigger negative so that's why it's passive perception is only nine as a whole mm-hmm. and like it's very rare that you get big bad evil guys that just are unaware of their surroundings but at the same time i feel like that tracks for this one because that adds to its horror and dread and the fact yeah. that it's only going to fight you if you are in its way and if you are impeding its ability and it you bother it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it doesn't know you're there, doesn't care that you're there. And it's just like this, this swat is like swatting a fly away. Right. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if you were just to suddenly rock up to one in the wild, it's not going to pay attention to you. And that's going to be weird for players. Right. Because you're going to spend months tracking this thing, trying to lure it. And when you find it, it's like not even paying attention to you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and that that speaks to how, oh, okay, we'll just lure this creature back. It's like no big deal. But then when you look, if you play the stats like accurately, it will be hard. Mm-hmm. It will be hard to to um, like cross the line into being at risk and taking damage from that aura to get its attention and keep its attention long enough to move it in the direction that you need. So like, that's going to be tricky. And I imagine that aura, like, I don't know, when when an aura like this has so much power and is so negative, I feel like it would have a sound to it. Like there would be this like undertoned hum of just, I don't know, like a low, a low tone or a low like woo woo sound, you know? Like the closer you get to the aura, the louder it gets. And like, it could even start impacting like your constitution or you have like, you know, it's, it's just like to add in a few saves along the way too, just for fun. (laughs) But it's like to emphasize how 
deadly this can be for you when you get too close to it yeah and I feel like you would you would hear it immediately it would be like you go one foot forward and you hear it and you step one foot back and it goes away mm-hmm. yeah it's like it's like almost like entering like a sound cloud right like yeah I would almost have it be like like a whooshing like sucking vacuum noise yeah. um to be like that negative energy just sucking all of the life yeah and like you even once you step into it, like you, you are like you're in your vacuum. Like you no mm-hmm. longer hear, like if you're in a forest, you no longer hear the the breeze through the trees. You no longer hear your companions next to you. It's like you enter it and there's no sound. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, and like, oh. <laughs> How big was that aura again? Let me double check. It is uh, within 30 feet of it. So you would see it. Yeah. Yeah. So like you couldn't even sneak attack on this thing. I mean, it doesn't have the perception to see you or care, but the aura around it does. So like, yeah, sneak attack, like would be sort of out the window or just like, like trying to sneak up on it. You could, you could get within 30 feet of it and it won't care. But after you hit that aura, it knows. So it almost (laughs) doesn't even need, like, it doesn't need a perception because it just has that. Yeah. It's like it's a little protective barrier. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you're not wrong. Yeah. Finally, let's talk about combat options for these. Obviously, you don't want to fight it. I mean, yeah. that's a big thing. But I did kind of think of a way to beat it, like beat it and like mm-hmm. do what you can with it to like weaken it, I think. And the issue is that it has a huge health pool. So this would be, and I'm going to get into it and then we can like workshop this together. So that aura within 30 feet uh, mm-hmm. does not affect undead. Okay. So, and you know what has resistances to necrotic damage and other things like that? The undead. How do you whittle down its health to get it weak enough to lure it somewhere where it might get its energy back, back, which is the negative space? You fight it with the undead. However, comma, in my mind, I'm thinking the only way a group of players would do this is if they have a necromancer in the party that can raise a bunch of undead and have like a couple of undead grunts go after it. Mm-hmm. They don't have enough hit points, though, to survive being hit by one of its hands. Right. So it's kind of like, how do you, how do you get the pep? How do you, how do you make it better? Make it better for me. So in a previous episode, we talked about undead soldiers that were underneath the city, just hanging out. Yeah. You go get them. <laughs> <laughs> like you owe us, you owe us a great debt. This is Lord yes. of the Rings fight the Nightwalker. <laughs> yeah. Princess Mononoke, Legend of Zelda all in one. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. <laughs> so go back, listen to that episode. <laughs> And our ideas on how to talk them into fighting with you. But that's the only thing, the only way yeah. I can think of them actually being, you as a group being successful fighting this thing is if yeah. you rally together a bunch of undead. Yeah. Taking the other angle, the the not maybe as traumatic backstory angle where you don't know who like swapped and is stuck in the negative plane and you don't care to get them back. Like what if um, someone's say demigod or god went to battle to destroy a like really evil creature but then instead of fully destroying them this happened where they say sacrificed their existence in that realm to destroy this evil creature but it went into the negative plane and the demigod or god had to disappear but your the the people and the realm was still left with this Nightwalker and so it's not a matter of wanting to get the the person or creature back it's now we need to rally 
the power of essentially like god-like power to destroy this night walker and so you are yeah finding the undead you're finding other like allies that can potentially do damage to this thing and it is your like final you know big bad evil guy yeah effort. yeah you could go the opposite way of finding like the holy crusade right of like mm-hmm. all of the good flight paladins are going to come and radiant damage the shit out of this thing until it dissipates mm-hmm. right so yeah. you don't, you'll always need to have the end end but we're just saying <laughs> it might be a, it might be the theme of our podcast you know yeah <laughs> you know yeah and in destroying it it might be that you can then bring back the deity or god or whatever however you want to spin it um that can then be returned to the realm And, you know, bring back faith and bring back all of the, you know, the good feelings. Mm -hmm. But it is now up to, like, you as, you know, magic users and your party to destroy this thing. And it's not going to be fucking easy. Yeah. I mean, you could even go in a slightly different direction with that where it's a bad god that is over there and trying to get itself back. So it's worshippers are trying to get this Nightwalker back into it and you have to stop it first. Yeah, um, yeah. So that it doesn't come back. Because if this thing's gone, maybe that thing's stuck there. Yeah, and you're dealing with like the acolytes of this, like, and the acolytes are going to be strong and powerful too, right? Mm-hmm. So not only are you trying to avoid- the campaign too. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to make it so you can't kill this thing. So you've got, yeah. Yeah, so your first campaign is destroying the big bad evil guy. Mm-hmm. But then, surprise plot hook, it didn't get destroyed. It t- went to the negative plane and became a Nightwalker. And so now this is the thing that you discover through campaign two still exists in the world. You yeah. find out rumors about the followers gathering whatever or co- congregating into one area because they're trying to keep it in this one area to protect it, to try and figure out how to get their evil god back. So cool. I like it. There you go. All right. Any other final thoughts on the Nightwalker? No, just don't fight it. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> yeah. Like, again, you're not going to survive one round with it. You're going to, yeah. your max hit points are going to go down. Your healers aren't going to be able to heal and your squishies are going to go down in round two. Yeah. Like yeah. it's your run away. Yeah. <laughs> run away or build an army. All right. I forget who was next. I believe it was Casey was next for yeah. your evil monster. It's me. All right, so we are moving into the Tomb of Annihilation and the Atropal. So the Atropal is truly a thing of nightmares. It is a horrific, partially made creation of an evil god that was abandoned and has been adrift for a very long time. Don't feel bad for it, though. Like, (laughs) this is one time where, no, it doesn't deserve it. It sounds so sad. (laughs) I know. It just needs a hug. I can can fix it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, Mieka, you can't fix it, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So since it has truly never been alive, it can't be resurrected nor be raised from the dead, even with divine intervention. Um, There is actually a lot of alternate lore outside of 5th edition on this, and it goes into a deep dive, and it gets pretty dark. (laughs) So just to touch on a little bit there, uh, other lore can describe them as a race of unfinished immortals that are modeled after the gods um, that spontaneously rose up as undead abominations. They simply exist to spread death and destruction. There's a theme today. Yeah. 
and they basically hunt down prey that like come their way visually it's it's yeah it's awful um Mm -hmm. it is wrinkly gray-skinned and hairless and has an oversized deformed head with glassy dead looking white or even there's sometimes just black eyes it's constantly moist looking and covered in like a black ichor as well it has smelly drool dripping from its mouth always and skinny atrophied limbs that stick out from a bloated body it cannot walk it floats while its useless legs hang below it and its arms end in tiny hands with claws <laughs> um it gets worse um, how, how? <laughs> so this unfinished partially made monster has a shriveled umbilical cord still attached and that cord floats outwards from it and is seemingly connected to nothing but it is in fact connected to the negative energy plane and gives the atropal power over death and undeath yeah (laughs) so the atropal can be weakened by severing the cord to the negative plane with a vorpal sword or any kind of vorpal weapon. And for those that don't know, um, vorpal is a magical quality for slashing weapons that can increase the chance of the weapon severing the head of the target. So this is not something that your party will likely just already have. This is perhaps an item of great power that you need to seek out to try and weaken this thing. Um, so other lore talks about them resembling ghouls potentially. So maybe bringing in a bit of like red tones to the gray and black scale. And there is even mention of the atropal cleaving off a piece of itself to make more of itself. And those would be called atropal scions. And they are even more horrific, um, So I'm not going to deep dive into that, but if you're interested in just making this even more body horror and like fleshing it out into your campaign, there's like plenty of other options online um, to look into that. Um, And I think what makes this even more disgusting is that like this undead is not small or medium sized or large size. It is huge sized and it is neutral evil. So yeah, let's just get into some of the abilities. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. have a look. Let's see what we got here. What are we dealing yeah. with? Being that it is a naked, you know, wet looking, wrinkly thing, uh, the it only has an AC of seven, but it has a decent hit pool average of 225. Um, and as mentioned, its thin legs cannot be used to walk. So it has a speed of zero. However, it hovers, and so it has a fly speed of 50 feet. So that's where it gets you. <laughs> okay. That is definitely higher than the average player's speed of 30 feet. And stats are incredibly high in everything but dex, which makes sense if it has a speed of zero. Um, dex is at a minus three modifier, but other ones we're talking very high as in like plus seven modifier for intelligence and charisma, and con is at a plus six. So it is incredibly smart. (laughs) It just can't move 
like it can't dodge things as well because it's this huge blob interesting that it's so smart though since it's unfinished Mm -hmm. i wonder if it's because it is because it has it was being created by evil gods which would have a lot of wisdom and intelligence and obviously a lot of charisma and so that's kind of what has been it's been built on just Mm -hmm. never finished yeah and it's direct connection to the negative plane right like it's connected to it so yeah yeah so it has a cr of 13 which i was a little bit surprised about um i felt that seemed low for what um it is like what its stat block is and where it comes from and stuff but after talking about the Nightwalker, yeah, it is maybe a step down from the, from the Nightwalker. So, so yeah, it has a lot of immunities. Uh, so I'll just quickly go through those because I do think this is why it makes it more dangerous. Um, it has damage immunity to cold, necrotic, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage from non-magical attacks. It has condition immunities to exhaustion, frightened, paralyzed, poison, and prone. And it has damage vulnerability to radiant damage. So this is the one thing when you figure it out, hopefully you do because it is an undead creature, um, that will be the only thing that saves you. <laughs> um, it has, unlike the Nightwalker, uh, it has dark vision of 120 feet and true sight of 120 feet. Uh, passive perception is 14 here. So we're we're leveling up a bit there. So this creature also has magical resistance um, where it has advantage on saving throws against spells and other magical effects. And it also has a negative energy aura, which is um, 30 feet radius. And any creature that is within that can't regain hit points. And if it starts its turn there, takes 3d6 necrotic damage. Um, However, like I mentioned, if you are able to sever that cord, um, this aura disappears. So this is where you do have a little bit better angles for destroying a creature versus the Nightwalker. But it has a second aura called Turn Resistance Aura, where it and any undead creatures within 30 feet have advantage on saving throws against any effect that turns undead. So um, it will bring, it could potentially have undead allies that help it and it with attacking you. It has some pretty amazing actions and legendary actions as well. So just to touch on those, it can make literal tiny claw attacks, <laughs> tiny claws. Um, and that deals 3d6 necrotic damage on a successful hit. And that's a melee, like you have to be right up on it and it will just touch you with its claws and give you necrotic damage. <laughs> it can cast Ray of Cold, um, for a ranged spell attack, which can deal 66 cold damage on a successful hit. And it can use life drain. So it picks one target it can see within 120 feet. Target must succeed on a DC 19 con save or take 8d8 necrotic damage, half on a successful um, save. And the atropal gains hit points equal to half the amount of the damage dealt. So now we get into... Is it easier to hit? Yes. Does it have a big hit pool, um, hit point pool? Yes. But it can also take drain life from what attacks it or it attacks and regain some. So it's going to be a longer fight that way. 
So this connection that it has to the negative plane, it can use it to summon vestiges of creatures that died in the negative plane into wraith servants that can exist outside of that plane. So it can use an ability to summon a wraith that will appear within 30 feet of it. It will obey the Atropos commands and cannot be controlled by any other creature, but their existence is tied directly to the Atropos. So um, it will dissipate if it's destroyed and, or if it drops to zero HP. So if you can kill the Atropos, the Wraith will also die with it and just disappear. And legendary actions, it can take three of them. It can use legendary actions at the end of other creatures' turns and are regained at the start of its turn. It can use it to do that touch, um, like tiny claw attack. It can use it to do ray of cold. And then it can use it to uh, to wail. So this is the, the last and final ability, but it's pretty awful. Um, the monster can let out a withering wail and any creature within 120 feet that can hear must make a DC 19 con save or take one level of exhaustion. I like how like after all of that and like this cord and the negative energy plane and then just boop, let's just add a whole other thing that it can do as a legendary action. That is devastating. Yeah, yeah <laughs> um, that's a big yes. DC for it to yeah. have to pass too. Yeah, DC 19 con is no joke. Uh, so that's it. It has a massive range. Almost everything is up to 120 feet and it has two auras. And so, yeah. It low, low AC, but everything else doesn't make it that easy. Yeah. I mean, the to hit is what makes it like, in my mind, less, but mm-hmm. getting close enough to hit it is going to be, yeah, it's going to be yeah. the tough part, right? So you're going to have to have a lot of ranged, ranged nonsense to be able to get this thing like whittled down, but it's doable, you know, mm-hmm. like, so anyways, but yeah, if that's it, let's raise some dice. Let's talk about this thing. Nine. Nine. Roll off, Casey. <laughs> I, had a, I had a 14. Well done. <laughs> Seven. Uh, I rolled a 14 this time. So, Peps, you can go first. I'll go second. Casey, you can go last. It- All right. Uh, so, as I'll, let's start off with the um, role-playing okay. pillar here. Thoughts? Um. I, with all of the things, uh, don't recall. Does this thing talk? Like it's, I think I read that it understands celestial, but it utters like its own nonsense. It understands, okay. but it like doesn't babbles. Speak. I don't know, okay. Casey, is that what you have on your notes? Or It understands celestial, but can only speak in gibberish and obscenities while it's drool, like drool drips from its mouth. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it only speaks in obscenities. <laughs> yeah, it literally says that. <laughs> nonsense <laughs> i love it i love that actually gives you so much to role play with like <laughs> honestly it just is babbling nonsense at you and you're like can you imagine can you imagine coming up against this thing and no. then it just is shouting obscenities at you and nonsense and it's just large and squishy like ugh. Ugh, ugh. it's the always looks what but <laughs> you know- really you know it's making squelching sounds like you know yeah. like you uh, know uh, it's <laughs> yeah. like when you squish her like when you stir up mac and cheese yeah <laughs> it's that kind of gooey noise I, th- I think it's something more pleasant when i think of the sound of mac and cheese stirring but you know what you pop off queen pop off yeah. um. <laughs> well when it is mac and cheese it's pleasant what is this thing not so much <laughs> 
Oh, no, Lord. I mean, for role playing, I would definitely lean into the body horror of it. Like, you just have to really, as a DM, describe just how horrible it is in so many ways. Like, it's got that drool that stinks, like describing what that smells like as you come closer to it and get hit with that. Um, I would have that give some sort of effect and take you back for a moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, you would lose, I think. If you came close enough to smell it, even if you're trying to sneak up on it, would lose any sort of like opportunity attack because you would just be so like taken aback by that scent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would, yeah, d- lean into how just horrifying, absolutely horrifying it is. Yeah, no, I think that if you're gonna like a, a good like one shot or adventure you can do for this, like as a DM, would be that let's say you're in an area where suddenly a lot of wraiths are appearing and Mm -hmm. no one really knows why there's no one strong enough in this village or town or that has the time to go and find out where they're coming from they were just able to set up battlements and like have people like at the ready to take on these races they appear um and the town's now just used to it but then Mm -hmm. you as an adventuring group decide to take on the task to go and figure out like the source of where these wraiths are coming from and your group is probably expecting oh there's going to be a graveyard there's going to be a wizard there's going to be a necromancer or what have you it's like no there's just a thin veil between one space in the negative plane and this thing is attached to that that thinned veil space and Mm -hmm. then a battle would ensue with this thing and then you can now tie this into maybe one of your characters gets sucked into the negative plane at that point and replaced by a Nightwalker and just full life cycle. That's shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like when it all comes together for us. I, You know what? I like putting that shit together. You know, we're, we're talking about the negative plane. Let's just make it as negative as fucking possible. You know what I mean? Like we're here for the darkness. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Casey? Yeah. Well, and this thing, um, like... It wants to destroy everything. So I guess that's that's the it has it it is not indifferent like the Nightwalker just moving through. And if like you come if you get in its way, it, it will absolutely destroy you. Um this thing wants to destroy everything. And so like this is you know, an entire village or even city was destroyed overnight and than tracking what the heck did it like this this thing could move through a city and just destroy everything um i remember when i was reading in other lore online um i was just reminded because of something you said peps earlier was some sages speculate that necromancer kings were potentially uh atropoles that are you know hundreds of years old and um i i like that because it could be that you know big bad evil guy behind closed doors like you know of the necromancer king Mm -hmm. and they're really powerful they're very intelligent they have an army of wraiths (laughs) they have an army of undead and you actually don't know what they look like Mm -hmm. and so if you make your way through and you actually get to see them it is this thing that is actually what you're going to fight. And you may imagine a wizard, someone in a yeah. robe. <laughs> Just a dude in but, a robe. Yeah. Yeah. But in fact, it's going to be this thing. Oy, oy, oy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Exploration. I think it's just leaving around puddles. <laughs> of black ichor. Of black ichor and drool. Like... I think that's your first clue. Well, I mean, other than the wraiths, 
but yeah, it's gonna it's gonna leave around long like like a slug, like just he's got like little like yeah this the gross mm-hmm. slug marks as yeah. it moves around yeah, yeah. just like yeah <laughs> so easy to hunt basically easy yeah to hunt. <laughs> I mean this thing I have the mini and it's the size of my hand so I can only imagine what it size actually you're it's not gonna hide where's it hiding yeah well, like it's a, it's a huge creature right yeah, like, it's, like not... it's not I don't know what it could possibly hide inside of to yeah. not know that it's there <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I like to, I like to be reminded of the fact that yes, it it is attached to the negative plane, which means that like mm-hmm. in my mind, the veil between the material plane and the negative plane, wherever this thing is, is going to be very thin. Yeah. So then I would start reaching it, researching into what other creatures can come through the negative plane, and what other creatures are drawn to the negative plane, and what's yeah. being what's starting to appear in this area that's un unheard of or unbeknownst. And this could be a clue for a group that's like looking to find a place where the veil is thin for the negative plane. Like let's say they are looking to lure a night walker into this space they hear that this creature exists somewhere they know that the plane is going to be like the the veil is going to be thin but they're going to have to fight this thing before being able to utilize the fact that this is a an area where they could potentially push a night walker through right so for the exploration piece it would just be like again researching what creatures would be drawn towards the negative plane and which creatures are going to come out so that you can start playing with a couple of those new creatures in like your material plane right yeah. So it'd be a good introduction into an undead campaign. I would want to yeah. get into like, why was it abandoned? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. where my brain was going was like, like, and fifth edition touches on it, but not in great detail. So if you just want to run with that easy, um, mm-hmm. it just says create like made um, like in from the mind of an evil God, but it yeah. was abandoned and never finished. And so if, you are wanting to introduce a specific evil god to your campaign that is going to be like a long game, you know, effort. I feel like you could even give it some kind of trait or some kind of thing that hints at which evil god created it. Mm -hmm. And so that might give a bit of insight and a bit of like lore history that you're trying to build in your campaign. Yeah. Do you think that evil god just had ADHD and switched to a different hyperfocus? Probably. Yeah, new hyperfixation, who dis? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I can create this. I don't need to finish it. I'm just going to yeah. slap it in the closet. <laughs> yeah. And I think I got to mention again, like, just that, like, um, the the Vorpal weapon. Like, again, it's, it's a very straightforward, um, like, it could be a absolutely a side quest in your main campaign is somehow you gain insight that a vorpal weapon can be used to weaken this creature and so then the quest is to find a like forger who can make it or go steal one from Mm -hmm. like a wizard that has one or you know and so that could be a whole thing that your party does before you go into battle to try and defeat this thing yeah I like quests that comes with more quests. Yeah. <laughs> like collecting things or retrieving uh-huh. things. Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. We love a good fetch quest, you know? Yeah. But then it's like in a tomb that's uh, being protected by mummies. Mm-hmm. And race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the Vorpal Sword is being protected by this mummy. So you got to deal with that shit first. Or belong to like a pharaoh that you have yeah. to know. And then you're in Theros just like. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, we're talking about the thinning of veils, so you could really get into the multiverse and hopping planes and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. This kind of and thing. And there are some very famous Vorpal swords and weapons that like are known. So you could even deep dive into that and see what you want to bring in. Yeah. I love it. Um, speaking of Vorpal swords, combat tactics and ideas. Um, I mean, definitely as a player, get your Vorpal swords out. Um <laughs> Well, you said it has two auras. Run me through, run me through the uh, its basic things again, um, yeah, because my brain's not on full mode right now. <laughs> so it's okay. got, it it's had got, a lot. It had so many things. It's got the two auras. Um, yeah. Oh, it had its tiny claw attacks, which sound adorable. Yeah, yeah. So it has like the a cat, menu. like a cat, just like batting at you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and like in the art, it is. It's like these teeny tiny little like t-rex arms with these little claws <laughs> it's like um, a paper cut is it called tiny claw like in the stat block the it it's described as that okay yes and then okay. in the in the attack actions it's just called um like a touch attack okay. like a melee attack a touch. yeah yeah but okay. i want to say it it would be with its tiny claws because what else yeah. could it what be? else is it touching yeah yeah unless you just like rub up against that like clammy you know naked skin oh <laughs> no but yes yeah. so it has that um it has the auras it has it can cast ray of cold which is yeah. um 66 uh, is that what you said yeah 66 cold damage so it can do necrotic damage with the the touch attack and cold damage with the range spell attack and then it also has life drain which is 120 foot range where it can do 8d8 necrotic damage if you fail a dc19 con save yeah and that's where it gains hp for itself and then it also has this whale let's not oh, forget yeah, the, the whale. legendary action whale ability I where like the whale one. again dc19 con save or gain one level of exhaustion yes so, i would use that whale a bunch yeah. give all your players exhaustion <laughs> as quickly as you could Fuck, it's got so many things. Yeah, I know. It's got so many things. Um, and they all do a ton of damage, like 66 and 86. Yeah. Um, yeah. don't fight it, guys. Don't fight, don't it, fight unless it. You have a vorpal sword. And that only gets rid of one of the auras, right? Yeah. Yeah. But like, but the other the other aura, all it really does is give them advantage on against being turned undead. Yeah. yeah. Which I'm surprised it doesn't have just immunity to that. Yeah, it should. Because most undead creatures that we talk about, like the the big legendary ones. The big ones tend to have that but in my mind yes it, it doesn't have the ability to fully it doesn't have the full resistance because it's not fully completed yet so uh, it doesn't yeah. ha in my mind it doesn't have its godlike powers yet but it, it does have resistance to it because it's within its blood and its veins but it just doesn't quite have you know the the big scary stuff so that is your combat tactic if you're going to fight this thing is to cut that umbilical cord and like, or like cut the cord that's attached to the plane so that it's relieved of that aura. That way your heavy hitters can actually get in to be able to attack mm -hmm. it. And then, you know, it, you can use your cleric to attempt to keep turning it undead. And then, yeah. and then that's going to be your tactic is you're going to be, this is the one where you would go out and find your holy crusade, right? That are going to come in and help you destroy this thing with radiant light and the goodness and all that kind of stuff. Get rid of this negative energy, you know? Yeah. yeah. Send it totally. back to its plane. Yeah. So, but yeah, it, I, the fact that it summons wraiths 
and like has all these abilities too. Oh, yeah. Like just it's its way of protecting itself. It's it's like yeah. I'm attached to the negative plane. I can pull from the negative plane. What can I pull to keep me protected? Because I am squishy. Yeah. yeah. Right. Did it have a limit on how many rates it could summon? Um, it didn't say a limit. It just okay. says each time it like um uses that ability, it summons one. Okay. So I think that that's open to like it could bring multiple. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I, would I have also- it already stacked with some too. Like when you come up on this, it's not going to not have a wreath. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I was saying. Like that would be part of the exploration piece too. Is yeah, that, like, there's going to be wraiths in the area. Yeah, because it's protecting itself, right? I so. love a I love a baddie that can summon more baddies. We we yeah. love a baddie that can summon baddies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it didn't. It it essentially said that if the wraith. If the wraith drops to zero hit points, like it dissipates, or if you kill the atropole, it it dissipates. But I want to, I would connect it to the severing of that cord as well, because mm-hmm. it is using its connection to the negative plane to summon those creatures. So I want to yeah. say like, yeah, if you have the means to destroy that or cut that cord, you like all of the wraiths that it has created just dissipate, you know? Yeah. And um, and then that aura disappears. Like that is huge. That is that is turning of the time. <laughs> of, <laughs> your, your advantage yeah. has been made. <laughs> I like a twist on that where okay, so you cut the cord, it cannot summon anymore, but yeah, the ones like it, that it summons are stuck there. And scatter. Yeah, because they're not because conne- they're not connected or have they're any not connected to it. to it anymore. So then you kill this thing, but you still have all these fucking wraiths to deal with that you've just released into the world. And maybe that makes it so that you can control them because the atropole has lost its controllability with that mm-hmm. severing. Yeah. Because it specifically says that they cannot be, but maybe you can add that hook that. Yeah you can then, you know, control them potentially and turn undead and do all those things. Yeah. I love it. I like it. A lot of potential with these guys. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts on them before we move on to yours, Peps? They're real icky. Gross. Yeah. yeah. I never <laughs> want to gross. encounter this. <laughs> I don't want to see it, um, smell it, hear it squish. Yeah. I also don't know if I would use it, to be honest. Like it just I there's so many better things out there that I can use when yeah. it comes to undead and negative planes. This is not one that I want to describe to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, I might just because I have this many. <laughs> you know what? The, the and the mini is frightening. If anybody the wants mini to look is it up. Horrible. It is. It's horrible. Yeah. You mentioned the eyes of it. I looked at my mini to see. It has like, mine only has one eye and it's a like yellowish color. And then there's something coming out of the other eye, like a squiggly. Oh, girl. Like tentacly thing. Like. I hate it. You see that? Yeah. (laughs) And there's, yeah, there's a cord coming out of its head and its mouth. Yeah. Like it, it, it's pure, it's pure horror. Like that deformed horror. I thought yeah. mine was really gross. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on to that then. Let's talk about how gross yours is. <laughs> mine mine is like a puppy dog now compared to yours. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I have the devourer. Um, these creatures are creations of Orcus and among the most feared of his creations. They are sent to wander the plains and devour souls until all life has become everlasting death. 
To lesser demons, being turned into a devourer is considered a privilege and only happens if they can prove themselves to Orcus. They are transformed into these eight-foot-tall nightmares. The art shows a tall, bald, gaunt creature with pointed ears and claw-like fingers. Uh, most notable is its hollowed-out ribcage with a humanoid inside crying out and trying to escape. When Orcus releases devourers into the material plane, it is with the purpose to create and lead an army of undead. Skeletons, zombies, ghouls, ghasts, and shadows are all common followers of devourers. They can also create undead. Devourers hunt humanoids and trap them inside of their ribcage. Once in there, they are subject to soul-torturing telepathic noise until they can't stand it anymore and die. They go through a terrible transformation, then emerge from the devourer an undead. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so getting into their stats, uh, these nightmares are large fiends and chaotic evil with a CR of 13. Their AC is 16 and have an average hit points of 178, and their speed is 30. Uh, their strength and con both have a plus 5, charisma has a plus 3, dex and intelligence a plus 1, and wisdom a plus 0. They are resistant to cold, fire, and lightning, and immune to both the damage and condition of poison. They have dark vision of 120 feet and speak abyssal and have telepathy of 120 feet. They have fiendish nature, so they don't need air, drink, or sleep, and the only food they need are souls. They have a multi-attack with two claws and the choice of either Imprisoned Soul or Soul Rend. Their claw attack gets a plus 10 to hit and does 2d6 plus 5 slashing and 6d6 necrotic. Imprisoned Soul, the, devourers choose, the devourer chooses a living creature with zero hit points it can see within 30 feet and teleports it into its ribcage. The creature imprisoned has disadvantage on death saves. If the creature dies while imprisoned, the devourer regains 25 hit points, immediately recharges Soul Rend, and gains an additional action on its next turn. In addition to all of that, at the start of its next turn, the devourer regurgitates the slain creature as a bonus action, and the creature is undead. It becomes either a zombie, ghoul, or white based on how many hit dice it has, and it can only imprison one thing at a time. Now, for Soul Rend, which recharges on a six, unless it successfully recharges it during the um, the previous one, uh, it creates a vortex of life-draining energy in a 20-foot radius of itself. Each humanoid must make a con save, taking 8d10 necrotic on a fail or half as much on a success. Increase the damage for each living humanoid with zero hit points in that area. So another like TBK. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. This is, it's a CR 13? 13. 13. Okay. So same as uh, the Octopole. Yeah. But this doesn't have legendary actions the way the other one does. It does not. But definitely way more deadly and harder to kill. Like, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. almost like the other one needed the legendary actions to keep itself up at that 13. This one doesn't need legendary actions. It has abilities in its like own self that are going to be quite deadly. Right? Yeah. Ooh, love it. All right. Let's raise some dice. Four. 13. 12. Guys. <laughs> I know. I need to get a different dice. <laughs> uh, so for like role playing with these ones, uh, again, they, they don't really have, it's the telepathy 
that I always like using when it comes to these ones. If you were going to be playing them as a DM, I always yeah. never really believed that monsters that have the ability to use telepathy would use anything else other than I will speak to you in your brain mind. <laughs> yeah. Because one, I feel like it would want to freak you out. And two, I would just be super lazy if I was that powerful. So yeah. it's not just <laughs> shouting abyssal. No. <laughs> <laughs> However, like, and like, this is going to like, I immediately what I thought of, I don't know if either of you guys have played the board game Kingdom Death Monster. No, no. Okay. So in Kingdom Death Monster, it's a board game. It's a very long board game. Anyone on the internet who plays it is, is crazy, but it's a great board game to play. There is one beastie that you fight called the Screaming Antelope. And what this basically is, is it has a mini and it is basically a, like an antelope rearing up on its like hind legs and then its chest and stomach are open and it's full of teeth and then it's its attack ability is that it runs at you and then eats you with its chest and drags you across the ground and so when you're talking about how this thing like like envelops and digests things like the imprisoned soul ability that it has Mm -hmm. like i feel like that is going to be that's what i imagine is the open rib cage with teeth in it even though i don't i've never seen the mini for this one if that's like yeah. what it looks like, or if it is just an open rib cage. Yeah, little open rib cage with some oh gross little goblin yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So so yeah, I imagine that it, it would be constantly exposed, right? Like it has no shame. It's like this is it how I'm no... going to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. There's like no clothes, not not a stitch of fabric on this thing. No, no loincloth or anything, Casey. Nothing. It's just just oh. disgusting little thing. So that's what I would lean into: the fact that it's not afraid to show you all of its cards right yeah like it, it, it's gonna be like no no like I, I can kill you with my rib cage of course i'm yeah. gonna it, like be like it's almost boisterous in that way right like mm-hmm. it would be standing tall and like chest out like i'm gonna eat you with this <laughs> so yeah as a dm that's how i would role play it and play it is like that'd be the first thing yeah. that you notice it's so. like when we say tits out and you you know yeah. <laughs> ribs, tits out. Out. ribs out for the undead <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. And like, like I would absolutely, absolutely like, cause it has the teleport ability where it teleports a creature into its rib cage. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. So when, is... a, when a creature is at zero hit points. So okay. when your party is, when your party member is at death saves, they get teleported inside of this. All right. So I am absolutely targeting the NPC that everybody loves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Won't be hard to knock it down to zero hit points. And I am demonstrating the horrific ability of this rib cage, like devouring and regurgitating back up your beloved NPC. And that is when there's sanity involved. Your players are horrified. (laughs) Some want to run away. Some want to run in like in a rage to attack it. And it's just gonna be a bloodbath. <laughs> yeah, it's not gonna be good. I'm surprised this one doesn't have a fear attack, like a fear aura. thing, aura, yeah. or or like an ability, like when you first see it, that it, you have yeah. to roll a save to not be afraid of it. I guess yeah. maybe because of its size, that it's not necessarily. I don't know. I mean, it's eight foot tall, so it's still still it's large. It's pretty scary, and it's got like a thing inside of it trying to like escape i for for the role-playing body horror aspect i would i would cause like everybody roll like a fucking yeah. wisdom safe to not be scared of this thing like yeah so have you guys ever come up against one of these no not not um, in traditional D&D. i have <laughs> tell us more 
So, but in, okay, so in the world I play in, there is a big baddie called the Great Devourer. So, um, that is not this. Um, so I've, I did not know that this is what I was up against when I was up against it, or at least a version of it. Um, my DM calls them changelings and they are part of the Fae and that kind of thing. But when he puts up a picture, it's this thing. Um, and there was definitely a thing stuck inside of it. And we had to blow up a whole castle to get away from it, <laughs> like to bury it. <laughs> yeah. Like we blew up a fucking castle to bury it underneath it um, and escape. And we were pretty sure it walked away from it. So like they're horrible. And we have currently like there's shit going on with spells and using them. And if you do a spell and you're not a paladin or a druid you have to roll an arcana check and if you fail that a rift opens and one of these tries to come through it um yeah it's not great <laughs> so these uh when i when i looked at this and i looked at the picture it, it stealed a lot of fear <laughs> into my heart <laughs> right so yeah because, yeah yeah <laughs> And I don't, I don't feel better knowing now what they actually are. (laughs) Yeah. What a clever way to bring these in, you know, that, that is a, I like it. Yeah. No. Yeah. All right. Well, in terms of like, uh, the exploration piece to them, then like, not only just like that brilliant idea of bringing them into the campaign, but like, and we talked a lot about its existential horror dread and the body horror of this thing. Um, but I feel like there would just be like, if you were to come into its lair, or like where it exists and like you just kind of want to have like one being stuck in the cave somewhere or something like that or like where the the, again where a veil is thin between this and the negative plane um it would just be like one of those caverns full of bones yeah and like you're crunching and stepping on like as you're walking through and you're gonna think that you're gonna come across like a dragon or like like a horde of orcs or just things that live in this mountain that like feed off of animals but then as you do more research realize that like they're human remains or like the remains of other like humanoid creatures right you're not going to realize this is what you're going to come across because you're expecting a regular eating machine not a Mm -hmm. magical negative plane existing eating machine (laughs) suck you into my rib cage and drive you insane with telepathic noises yeah yeah Yeah. and then just like it's it's layer is filled with just wandering undead of all different kinds of things and that would be the thing is because it has so many different types of undead that follow it or that it creates Mm -hmm. you're gonna be like what the fuck is this like most things have like i really like zombies or i really like mummies or you know like i really like ghosts Mm -hmm. um not very many things have all the thing all the undead things yeah around it (laughs) so you're like what is happening um yeah i would like to have a because it has that noise that drives you insane while you're inside of it and it has the telepathy of 120 feet the closer you get to it you hear that you start to hear that noise and this is where i would pull in a sanity check Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like just hearing that. If it's a strong enough noise to kill you, it would definitely have some sort of effect on your sanity as you get closer and closer to it. Yeah. Some kind of psionic, like psychological impact, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yuck. Crazy. Yeah. 
So like, and that being said, when it comes to like combat tactics, like I feel like if you're walking into an area where you were hearing a noise, it, it like, like, it's kind of like that thing of like, do you go towards it or do you walk away from it? And I know yeah. Mieka's answer is we're leaving. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, like we would, we would walk into the entrance of whatever cave or forest or cavern is taking us towards this thing. And like, it would just be like, oh, like everybody roll a save or whatever. And then like immediately Mieka would be like, I'm going, I'm going home. Like, guys, <laughs> this is all y'all. I'm done with whatever this. She'd step on like one bone and be like, nope. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> but like, and that does both that question of like, do we continue or do we not? How important mm-hmm. is the MacGuffin? Is this the thing we're legitimately here to try and kill or destroy? Right. Yeah. Like, that's the hard part about being a DM and like trying to come up with reasons why your group would continue to approach this noise. So like, would it talk to you telepathically to draw you in, right? Probably it wants to eat you. I would also say the thing that draws you more in is the undead army then comes in behind you. Yeah. And And pushes you in. You have no choice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's creepy. And I hate that a lot. (laughs) Yeah. And like, even just to have, um, like simply it, like you need to, uh, lay a loved one to rest that was turned by this creature and then like followed it into the hills and into the caves and so you're trying to just find your loved one who is wandering amongst all of these other undead um but you absolutely encounter many undead and this creature before you find your loved one so you are forced into combat and trying to destroy it and then you can continue fighting undead till you find the one that you're looking for so a couple thoughts one like if you're a player and you get swallowed by this thing and imprisoned in its rib cage you get disadvantage on all of your death saves while you're in it as other players if your friend gets sucked inside of this rib cage dies and then the next turn comes out as a zombie ghoul or white and now you have to fight your player your friend that is at the table next to you yeah but if you happen to succeed on those death saves it does not say what happens while you're in that rib cage if you come back to come back to while you're in this yeah. rib cage yeah. what if you come to while you're inside of this monster and you're stuck inside of its rib cage with one hp because that's what you pop back as like trying to fight your way out of it but your friends are also hitting it with shit oh man with the potential of hitting you yeah how do you get out how do you get out of its rib cage if you pop back i feel like it would be the same as grappling rules like like the swallow mechanic well because i don't i can't imagine the swallowing mechanic it's not like it swallowed you it's it's holding you in place with its ribs you're not being digested right yeah so i i think it's grappling so you okay. could you could still technically attack. You just can't take moves and motions because you're stuck yeah. in this rib cage, right? So like and like I think we played it before with some grappling rules of like you can only attack with the weapon you have in your hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's teleporting you, I don't think it's teleporting your weapon. You only have your fist. Yeah. Well, then you're just punching your way out of a rib cage. Yeah. I'm trying to remember because I I I'm 99.9% sure I was swallowed by one of like swallowed, but like I captured by uh-huh. one of these before, and I can't remember if it was in Adam's campaign or in like one shots that we did with Dan. Mm-hmm. But I do remember being stuck in something's ribcage because the guys find it hilarious every time my characters get grappled. Like they just thought it's a hoot and a holler for them. Uh, 
and I want to kill them every time it happens. So I'm about 90% sure I've been devoured by one of these before. And I, I definitely survived. So I'm trying to figure out what we did do, but like, that's, I think that's kind of what they would, what I would anyways, is I would go into grappling rules. Okay. And like, so that, so your, your players can potentially grab you and pull you out. Right. So. Yeah. And you might have another party member who like in a fit of rage because you've been your like their friend has been devoured goes and like they spend their turns trying to rip open the rib cage to get you out so then mm-hmm. there might be some sort of like advantages given based on that too yeah because to be honest Megan if you weren't the one in the rib cage I can totally see your character's going and trying to rip open those ribs <laughs> to get the friend out <laughs> every time I'm always, always the hero of time. I was... <laughs> if you're not unconscious, you're the hero. <laughs> but normally I'm unconscious because I am, I'm, I continue to try to be the hero. So. Yeah. That's how that works. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Oh we're... my God. I just can imagine you popping back up inside of this thing and then the ranger rolling a one and shooting you. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Lord. I'd be so mad. Like, oh and then you're back to disadvantage death saves because you're still fucking inside of it. I would hate it. I'd be so that would be that would be my character in the ribcage and Dan's character shooting me in the eye. Like 100 percent that would happen between Dan and I. <laughs> oh That's, Lord. All um, right. Any final thoughts before we <laughs> wrap up? I don't want to encounter any of them in a no. combat. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. Or even just see them. They're all horrible. <laughs> like, I know we talk about undead things and they're usually horrible, but I feel like today was like a notch up. Yeah. yeah. All of them. Today needed that extra. We're talking about the negative plane here today. Yeah. <laughs> Legitimate <laughs> negative energy being thrown out mm-hmm. of the universe today. Yeah. So <laughs> gross. <laughs> gross. Oh, Lord. So on a scale of one to 10 moments of dread, how would you rank these creatures as part of the undead landscape in D&D 5th edition, starting with the devourer? Uh, I don't know. I would give it a, <laughs> I, I would give it a 10 as in like, I don't want to see it. Uh huh. And then like, I would give it like a, I don't know. I just don't want to see it. So I'm just going to give yeah. it a 10. Don't use it. <laughs> I mean, just my history with a similar thing to this. I know it like my DM has homebrewed some stuff off of it, but like, it gave me it gave me some legit flashbacks. Yeah, you're like this is my PTSD. Yeah. yeah, like this is my player PTSD as soon as I saw the picture. Well, I saw the name Devourer, which is a the Great Devourer, which is this giant entity into um like it's it's the size of a planet and like eats planets in our world so when i first read devourer i was like fuck you're like (laughs) i I love this this, yeah i saw this thing and i was like fuck (laughs) that's not what i wanted that's not better that's not better (laughs) yeah so a scale of one to one to ten of not wanting to use (laughs) yeah ten ten on my list just because of my personal trauma fair fair I'll come in at like an eight. It's pretty bad. Um, The abilities are kind of horrific, but I feel like we could defeat it. Yeah. (laughs) There's hope. I don't know. I think comparatively to the list 
that we did today is probably the lesser of the three. Yeah, I would say one to ten on a killable scale. I would give it uh-huh. a, five, a five. Like this is going to be the easier <laughs> yeah. one to kill, but yeah, easier. I'm saying my air quotes. Yeah, <laughs> but also the potential of lo- actually losing a party member is high. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely going to happen. <laughs> There's yeah. someone, someone in the group that's attacking it, going to yeah. die. Yeah. All right. Next is um, the Atropol. 15 out of 10, never use. <laughs> yeah. Just, just ick factor alone. Just stay away from it. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many other yeah. things you can use for the negative plane and for life-sucking nonsenses. This is one that we can just forget mm-hmm. exists. <laughs> just. Thanks. <laughs> Unless you just want to see a disgusted face on all of your players. Like if that's your... <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. 10 for sure. Yeah. Finally, Nightwalker... 10 out of 10 want to use. Want to use? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I just feel like its history is a little bit more digestible in the sense where, like, it would fit into any storyline when it comes to dealing with undead and how to mm-hmm. connect your players with things of the undead if you're not necessarily playing an undead campaign. Yeah. Like, you lose your, you lose somebody or you're trying to find someone and the result is they're in the negative plane. But now because of that, this Nightwalker exists. And then it just adds a little bit of dread and fear into your campaign that may not have once been there because you're not playing in an undead campaign. Whereas I feel like yeah. these other ones, like you would need to be in an undead campaign to utilize them in a way. Whereas I think yeah. that this one could just exist because someone's somewhere fucked up, right? Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, 10 out of 10 on usability. Yeah. Um, For sure. Because there are built-in reasons for it to be in the world. Um, And just... You could use that in so many different ways. Like it could be a player. It could be a family member. It could be somebody you don't care about, but just need to deal with because this things exist. Um, like we said, it could be a God, that guy. Like it could be your previous BBEG. I think there's a lot that you could do there um, to fit it into your campaign in different ways. Whereas like the Devourer is a creation of Orcus. It is what it is, what it is. You know, there's not a lot of creativity there. Um, mm-hmm. Atropole is what it is, what it is, you know? Yeah. I think the Nightwalker could go in a lot of different ways, so. Yeah, agreed. 10 out of 10 on dread, on usability, on interest, on connecting to a whole bunch of different lore, creating a whole new campaign from an interaction to being the the thing that's just the horror that's just wandering around in the background while you're doing all of this other stuff. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. 10 out of 10 walking red flag can't fix him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, now it's time to close the casket on this part of our conversation on Undead in D&D 5th Edition. If you'd like to discuss what you've heard here today, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and at r slash it's a mimic. For more episodes on monsters and other D&D topics, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bring Out Your Undead. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com, as well as a store and a Patreon. You can check the show notes for more details. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know where you're going to get.
talk about so many cool things and I can never remember them all. <laughs> like I after, know. like I really want to use the Nightwalker. I was like, ah, oh, put that in my brain. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's going to my next campaign. Like after I read that, like, and I was telling Casey this, even after like reading the Giants book, I like, mm-hmm. so I've now have a, I now have a page uh, like on my laptop that is specifically dedicated to remember to use these things. Yeah. And, and then that. point form it to remind myself why I wanted to use it because I found <laughs> that I was just listing the dead, the undead that we were researching or any of these other ones mm-hmm. that we really liked. And I would write them down, but I'd forget why I gave a what? shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I'm not going to go back and research it again. Cause my, my mind auto dumps information after like 30 days. <laughs> so oh, yeah, this is just cramming for exams like I become an expert in this thing this week tomorrow I forget all of it <laughs> yeah so I was like but no the Nightwalker was one I definitely wanted to add in because there's going to be a lot of in my next campaign that I'm building there's going to be a lot of people trying to like explore ultimate power so mm-hmm. there's going to be a reason as to why someone would accidentally get sucked into the negative plane and then cause everybody else to have to deal with this thing right yeah yeah so see so, I yeah. I'm likely going to start a campaign as a dm um for i've done a lot of one shots i've never done a full campaign we lost our dm so we had two groups and i think one guy's gonna take one and i'm gonna take the other and i want to do an undead campaign because i have to research all these things and we get very excited about them and then i never actually use all the ideas that we come up with so i'm gonna just have to like i think i'm just gonna roll the dice and listen to an episode that week and be like okay that's what i'm gonna use <laughs> yeah well, well even uh roman started using our undead creatures in l5r mm-hmm. like he would find a way to remaster them in an l5r creature and then i'd be like what the fuck did you- <laughs> we are Stop not using my ideas against me <laughs> this isn't even D, my guy and he's just like he's like it was just really interesting and i'm just like get yeah. the fuck out of here like <laughs> yeah i watched i watched a stream and it was shortly after our mummy episode came out and mummies were being used and i was like hell yes and like one of the other players who knew that that came out was like thanks a lot peps <laughs> like in the comments yeah you're welcome no problem uh, not my fault if your dm listens to my show <laughs> yeah, too bad so sad it must be a great show to listen to you know what i mean yeah, yeah. yeah. i gotta get my notes up the notes you wrote five minutes ago the notes i wrote five minutes ago <laughs> yeah 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 those ones thank you this is the first episode where i prepared three days ago and it was because i knew i was going to be out all weekend and i was like i will not i yeah. will not wake up early on sunday megan you yeah. know yourself yeah yeah like- <laughs> i was convinced i'd be fine and you know that i went out celebrating last night and here we are uh I did read it ahead of time. I just didn't write anything down. Amen. No judgments. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Casey, you're muted. I can't hear you. What ha- What happened? No. no. We lost Casey. She coughed and then broke her computer is what happened. <laughs> is your microphone off or muted? She's just role playing a Nightwalker. It's true. Languages are hard. Oh, I love no, she's that. she's frozen. Oh. No, no. I'm assuming you can hear us just fine. Yeah. (laughs) She's going to go out and come back in. All right. We'll see you in a minute. Yeah. (laughs) Very much every Zoom meeting I've ever been in. You know what I mean? There's always one. There's always one. Oh, man. We play L5R online Mm -hmm. um, and we do it through Discord. 
Um, and there's some folks in our group that just aren't like, don't work jobs where working online and doing zoom calls and things that was required. Yeah. I can hear us. I can hear my voice. I can hear us. (laughs) I think it'll normal itself out when she pops up. There we go. Okay. Am I back? You did it. Yeah. We did it. We did it. My goodness. Yeah. Why? Yeah. (laughs) I play on, on zoom and the only person that ever has audio issues is the DM. And it will always be when he's telling us the most important piece of information, his mic will go out and it'll be like a whisper and everybody will just be like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like like we're physically putting our ears closer to our computers like it's gonna help <laughs> we're like, it's not helping yeah we're like and he's good like he's this dramatic like important thing and we're like ray i heard none of that <laughs> yeah. yeah no roman Can has do a... that very important speech again <laughs> yeah no roman has one of those headsets where like the when the arm thing is up it turned like it meets it and when you put it uh-huh. down it unmutes it and sometimes you'll start talking but it was still up uh-huh. And like, we're like, dude, we're all, we're all on the camera, like moving our hands till we flick <laughs> it down. Like, <laughs> which now, now it's better though, because his headset's broken. So it does, it doesn't work. It just stays uh-huh. on the whole time. So I'm yeah. like, we have no privacy now. <laughs> uh, anyways, back to it. Anyways. I'm drinking a Dr. Popper. So I apologize for any burps that happen. I saw a TikTok the other day that said not all not all girlies are DP girlies, and it was mm-hmm. a girl holding a Dr Pepper in her hand, and I died laughing. <laughs> Did you see that she posted? I am a like, DP girly. I know. <laughs> you know what? I'm not surprised, Peps. <laughs> that girl posted like a follow-up video after that because she went viral and she was like okay (laughs) she's like I am still going to call myself that because of the Dr. Pepper (laughs) you know what just own it you know (laughs) there's so many other ways you could say that though you could be like I'm a Dr. P girl or like that's not any better Um, the worst one is I dated a guy whose last name was Pepper. Yeah. I've, I've like, and like, there, there was his there's... name David. Was he a DP? No, he was not a DP. <laughs> he was a JP. But mm-hmm. like, I, there's, a, there's an alternate timeline where my last name becomes Pepper. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, so that's it. That's it. Yeah. That's, that's, that's all. That's what I got. 